0: Hello and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host Sarah Travers and throughout the series I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Russell McQuillan, Chief Operating Officer of CleverNet. Russell, you're very welcome to the podcast studio. How are you today?
1: Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Good. Well, before we
0: begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background on Russell and his company. So Russell comes from a sales and business development background. He has a wealth of knowledge in the telecoms and Wi-Fi industries, having worked for Vodafone, for Bitbuzz and for Virgin Media. He also has a passion for customer service and, it says here, is commercially astute. Now, CleverNet was founded in 2020 by Russell and his fellow directors Shane Deasy, Kieran McRae and Gareth Morgan. CleverNet is Ireland's leading smart technology and integration specialist, Delivering solutions that optimise commercial buildings to ensure a balance between energy savings and greenhouse gas reductions. Now, Russell, just tell us a little bit more about what that actually means before we go any further.
1: Yeah, so um, there's a a few different sides to the business. Um, Our traditional telecoms business is called CleverNet Connect. And in that, we work with companies like Costa Coffee and we provide internet connectivity to their till systems, uh, Wi-Fi for their customers, their phones. We do that in a number of uh, businesses such as hotels, things like that. Our, our growing business is, is our eco-business, which stands for um, energy, carbon, clean air optimization. And that's where we really take a big commercial office and we really give the owners a really good insight into how the building operates and how we can make it more efficient over time bringing in some technology that they have and some technology that that they can can further put in.
0: And it also says here in your introduction that CleverNet is constantly pushing the boundaries of software, of wireless networking, the internet of things and energy solutions to make your customers' buildings smarter and improve tenant experience. With offices in Dublin and London, you work closely with your international clients and buildings management teams to maximize integration opportunities with your unique and bespoke range of smart product solutions, but how did it all start out with you, Russell? Tell us a bit about you.
1: A bit about me, yeah. So I'm I'm from from Lisburn um, originally. Um, I my career started in retail. I actually worked here in Uri for a long time uh-huh. in the Font's View store. Um, but I joined a company called Bitbuzz way back in 2007-2008 and that business really focused on commercial Wi-Fi offerings for, for, for retail venues and we expanded that across the UK and Ireland. That business was sold to, uh, to Virgin Media and I stayed on with, with, with Virgin Media and I moved down to Meath who lived in Meath for a number of years um, and we kind of finished up there around end of 2019 moved back to Northern Ireland Northern Ireland was home We've got three kids. I've got three dogs. I've got one <laughs> wife, uh, but we uh, we wanted to move back, and uh, we moved back just ahead of COVID, and that's where the kind of clever conversation started.
0: Uh, you were obviously, uh, you know, doing the right thing at the right time. What did you actually study?
1: Um, I studied business and finance, yeah. um, and then and then got into really into sales. But 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 where my frustration in sales always lied where. I was always in roles where I could sell the product, but I couldn't, I wasn't part of the delivery process. And then, as a customer facing, kind of solutions based person, if you made promises to customers and they couldn't be fulfilled or delivered by other teams and departments, that frustrated me. So, I moved more into the operational side where if we're working with sales teams and sales people, but also having control of that operation and owning that customer journey end to end so that we could actually deliver what we said we were going to deliver. I know
0: and you say it says there that you are commercially astute that's very very obvious you can see everything that's needed you've got that overview the bigger picture so tell us about how Clevernet began.
1: Yeah it began with uh, Shane Deasy was the CEO of, of, of Bitbuzz that was sold to Virgin he had been on at me for a couple of years you know let, let's let's do something again and um, I was kind of finishing up with Virgin and we started the Clevernet conversation. We've seen a need for customers that we work with before to do core connectivity, do it well. Um, you know, a lot of telecoms companies customer service is notoriously bad and we always added a personal layer to that where you can get in touch with us directly. We don't we don't um, mince our words around what the issue is. We just kind of get stuck in and fix the issue. So we wanted to do that again, but it, it had to be that and something else. The CleverNet conversation came in around how can we take that the core fundamentals of networking and apply it to building to make a building run more efficiently because buildings are well invested in and well programmed, but, but systems don't talk to each other. So how can you get them talking to each other and get the building running better? So...
0: I know we had a chat before we came on air today and you were, I said, make this
1: understood
0: by everyone. So in layperson's terms, tell me what you do. If I come to you today say,
1: I've got a building,
0: I'd like you to bring a solution. What would you do for me?
1: First, first thing we do is an audit or a health check, right? So what we find is and we work with buildings that are 150 million pounds to build. And we go into those buildings maybe only six months after the keys have been handed over. And through that build process, there's been a lot of money invested in heating and ventilation systems, lighting control systems, door entry systems, building management systems, boilers, the works. And they're set up and they're commissioned and the building's handed over to the owner. There's your building. And the owner typically then either takes charge of the building themselves or puts a, a building management company in. But they typically then don't really know how that building's been configured. There's a big scary computer down in the basement somewhere <laughs> and that's handed to like a maintenance team or a plumber to kind of look after. And they, they're not trained in it, they don't know how to use it, so they'll learn the basics, they'll learn how to s- schedule things on and off. So the first thing we do is go in and give the landlord a really clean insight of what have you got, where is it not running properly and where you can improve it moving forward. We'll put in place a 12-month program of what we call intervention measures to try and reduce the energy and the carbon footprint of the building. Some will be CapEx-driven, they'll have to invest in. It might be a boiler, it might be a chiller, it might be something like this. But a lot of the early days things are just getting that building to run better and getting the systems to talk to each other. We might put some hardware in, and we might put some additional uh, software in, but really it's a consultancy piece where we work with them work with all the stakeholders over time. So we're working with the maintenance guys, the building managers, the landlord. We're creating that that circular effect where everyone's responsible for it.
0: And are you finding that clients are coming to you at the initial stages or is it usually because there's been a problem and they say, do you know what? We can't have that happen again. We need to, to go to somebody for the solution. And how do they find you?
1: Well, how do they find us? We'll have to come back to um. But, but they, they were coming to us initially when we started. It was all about 2030, the, the, the Paris Accord, the, the targets. There's a lot of work that building owners need to do to get to a place where their buildings are compliant for 2030. So that's where the conversation started. What happened then post the conflict in, in Ukraine was the, the bills shot up. And some of our buildings could be spending a million euro a year on on energy and that has gone to a million and a half or two million unbudgeted. So the conversation very quickly became, "What can we do now, just to, just to reduce this?"
0: Did they have a problem? Is that? But it's usually in the initial stage. And, and
1: typ- typically, it was that problem of 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 the bill being too high or being out of control. So it's it's initially where we, we, we jump in is to find out how can we reduce that in the early days, and then what we need to do long term. So we we're working with all types of buildings, twenty-year-old buildings. We're also working with brand new buildings where a landlord has maybe built the building and they don't have enough tenants to fill the space. So they're paying directly the bills themselves. They're saying, how can we reduce this? So just because the building's empty doesn't mean you can just switch everything off. No. You need to maintain the building. Uh, so, so you need that on. So we're running that. And then we have other buildings where they're brand new buildings, just handed over. And the landlord's maybe just bought it and they just want to get a handle on what's there. And that's where we really find that this this is shocking. You've bought a really expensive building and none of this is set up right, mm. you know.
0: And you can make real savings for people.
1: Tip- typically one 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 client in the UK, we've been working with them across twenty buildings for about a year. The average saving is is nineteen uh, oh. on, percent on, on that year. Some are trickier than others. We got a big building in London at the minute, um we're hitting about four percent savings. It's it's it was a really efficient, well run building to start with. Yeah. But we've still been able to take out four percent additional savings, which which to them is over a hundred thousand pounds a year. Don't know because so, it. so, so, so it's so it's good. But typically, typically we're seeing around the nineteen percent.
0: And what are you finding then that people, this is referral then when you do it for one place or or you've got somebody that owns many properties? Is that the yeah. way the business is coming in?
1: We, we, we don't have a sales team. Um, so we're, we're getting business through referrals. We're getting business through management companies where people will move around. So we, we've, we have a few big landlords we work with and we have a number of management companies we work with. But it has all been referral driven, which, you know, Being in sales for 20 plus years and being the role I had in Virgin, I get to speak to and deal with a lot of sales companies. It always asks the question, where does your pipeline come from? Mm -hmm. Where do your sales come from? And every role I've ever worked in, sales pipeline, sales forecasting has been a struggle. And when companies tell me it's referral based, I don't have a sales team, I never believed it. So I've we're now in a business where where, where we're getting referrals and, and and sometimes turning business away because it doesn't it doesn't kind of suit what we're doing. But it's it's great, yeah, it's great. Like the the, the phones, the phones don't stop, which is which that is, is so, so interesting
0: you know. to talk to somebody yeah. who sales probably was everything,
1: and, and you yeah. don't have a sales team. We don't have a sales
0: team. <gasps> Would you recommend that?
1: Um, it it depends on your product. You know, certain products you you, you need a sales team, and we're we're founder led, founder driven, um. I think for us to certainly whilst we we hone the product and get the product right, it's important that we're engaging directly with the clients and directly with our internal teams, um, and growing it that way. Um, in the future, maybe maybe we will have a sales team, but 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 at the minute, at the minute it, it's working without. So you
0: are the chief operating officer. What does a day in a life uh, in your life look like?
1: Yeah, it can be it can be a little bit hept- hectic. So. I manage multiple teams from uh, from our development teams that are that are building our own software platform out, to 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 our support teams to our, to our engineers, uh, on the road both in the in the in the connect side of the business and in the in the in the energy side of the business, um. So usually first hour of the day is 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 checking in and making sure everyone has what they need, and I'm not blocking anybody from from doing anything, uh, and the day then usually flows from there. So we'll have a number of internal meetings or we'll have a number of, of client meetings. So part of our solution is that we do engage heavily with the client. So we'll have a monthly meeting with all stakeholders for every building. So those are usually dotted around the week where we're, we're, we're taking a catch up on what's been achieved, what's left to achieve, where are the blockers for us, where are the blockers for the customer and what's getting in the way of us uh, achieving those numbers that we've kind of promised at the start of the year. Does it work well? It works well, it works well, yeah, it works, it works well, yeah, and there's a bit of travel in there as well, so um, Zoom is brilliant, you know, we built the business over, over Zoom, but you can't beat getting in front of someone or having a coffee with someone or getting, we're in a building, we thought we about getting into the belly of the beast, like let's go three floors below and see how that boiler works, um, rather than just all the, all the text sheets and spec sheets, so Bit of, bit of travel too, where possible, to what were possible to clients locations
0: and talking about sustainability and we've, we've been talking already about working towards Paris 2030 um, you know and getting to net zero even for, for a lot of businesses by uh, indeed 2050 your echo solution do you find that people are uh, coming across it working with it and, and it is ticking all the boxes for them
1: it's it, it's it's doing a, it's doing a good bit and it's, and it's evolving all the time so what what echo stands for is is energy carbon and clean air optimization so it's about running the building more efficiently but also maintaining uh guest comfort so as we sit here today we could we could make this room very uh, cheap to run But there'd be no lights on and 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 we'd be very cold. So you you have (laughs) lots of layers. Lots of layers. But but there's ways to, to maintain heating and lighting very efficiently. So so um it's working well. We what we see in the energy space is like there's lots of companies out there selling lots of hardware. Right? If you buy this it'll do this and it'll give you a seven year payback. There's lots of companies out there selling dashboards and software, you know, give you a single pane of glass, you can see everything. We do that, we sell some hardware and we sell some software, but the key thing for us is we put that consultancy wrap around it and we say there's no point in having the hardware or the software if you're not doing anything with it. So we're the people that do something with the data and and then drive the the stakeholders to do something with the data as well.
0: Tell me about the staff that you have working at uh, Clevernet and how easy is it for you to recruit
1: so we have a core team of about 15 people um, at, the, at the minute. Um, we're really happy with the core team we have. A lot of them have been with us from the start, which is which is great and they've kind of grown and, and developed with us. We, we, we do find recruitment challenging. You know, our, our product is evolving all the time. We're also working in, in, in an industry where we're quite disruptive. So in the building management system industry, in the maintenance industry, everything's very set. This is how it's always been done. We're kinda of coming in and challenging that a little bit. So it's hard for us to pull from those industries to get the right people that are happy enough. They've got the skill set and the knowledge which we need, but we want them to approach it differently. To have um, the flexibility, flexibility needed, and a bit to adapt. A, a bit of pizzazz about it and mm. a bit of um, grit to to get stuck in and really like think of the problem differently. Um, so when
0: you're writing that job advertisement, is it tough to kind of write the right things that are going to get the right people?
1: It's tricky. It, it, it's 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 really tricky. Um, is it one of the biggest challenges you face? It would be find, finding the right people. Yeah, that 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 you know, because we're disruptive and because we are you know very much still a startup and have that startup mentality, you know, it it is hard to find the right people that can kind of work in that environment. Um, so many people too want to work in an environment that
0: suits their work life balance too. Yep. Why is CleverNet a good place to work?
1: Yeah, it a good, good place to work. Yeah, we do we do celebrate a work life balance. There's, there's no doubt about that. So I, I do work from home a lot. Um Louise who's with me today. She works mainly from from the office. Um, so we have that flexibility to to kinda to kinda do that. As long as really as long as the work is done, that, that's the important thing for us and deadlines are met. For the clients beyond that, we don't we don't mind where people are or when they're doing it.
0: And if there's any potential talent out there that's listening to this right now, you know, what kind of people are you looking for?
1: Innovative hard workers. Yeah. So if you're if you're not afraid to get stuck in and you're not afraid to um, we will say we will say internally, we're not afraid to get things wrong. So we don't mind if, if we break something, that's okay. We maybe don't want to break it the second time the <laughs> yeah. same way. But if we're doing something um, with the customer in mind and we make a decision that this is going to be beneficial to the customer and it doesn't work, that's totally fine. We've learned from it, we'll move on from that and we'll get closer to, to the solution uh, as a result of that. So innovative, hardworking, startup mentality um, and not afraid to upset, upset the apple cart with traditional industries. That, that's perfect for us.
0: Can anyone work for clever now? Surely you need some kind of skills or are you looking for attitude?
1: Attitude plays plays a big factor, um, Sarah, but yes, yes, there is some skills uh, needed, so if, if you're currently working in technology, if you know how a building kind of operates, even at a high level, if you've got HVAC experience, heating and ventilation experience, if you've got some experience with controls or any new IoT systems, and you've got a really get stuck in attitude, that you just want to see how things work, you want to break things, you want to make them better, that's the sort of people we're looking for at CleverNet.
0: And obviously, you know, post-COVID, we were looking at uh, people hybrid working, people working from home. Was there a little bit of fear attached to, oh goodness, is anybody going to go back into an office? Will we still need buildings?
1: It's certainly a fear for some of our clients uh, who, who own the buildings. Mm. Um, what we're seeing is that buildings are evolving. The the, the use case is changing. So, um Co- they're, they're, the occupants of the buildings may not have as much space in the building they'll have more hot desking but equally they'll have more open space in the building for uh, auditoriums, town hall meetings and the office is becoming a a social place yeah. to be there has to be a reason to come to it there's team events there's good, there's good. there's good collaboration happening there so what we see in our buildings is it used to be Monday to Friday now it's kind of Tuesday to Thursday and people will work from home on the on the Mondays or the Fridays, and quite often then there will be an event on on the Friday to upscale or train people, and that's bringing people back into the office on a, on a say a Friday.
0: There are some incredible places, now. I've visited quite a few places recently. And even um, my son lives in London, and his girlfriend was showing me around uh, her latest apartment block in London to get people back into the city. And it was like living in a hotel, so there were all these areas for meetings, you could play table tennis if you wanted, there was a cafe here, there was an outdoor swimming pool for goodness sake. So I thought, wow, they had everything that they needed to get the young people back into the cities.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's, just, and it's the same with, and it's the same with offices. So how do how do you get people back in? And yeah, that use case is, is changing. So it's gone from, the here's your here's your desk in your cubicle to beautiful places plan, to work that nice you kitchens, want to come in, free yeah. food, that sort of thing, um, to really to really get that engagement. And it is important to to I think when you get older, in your career. You, you can work from home quite comfortably. You've got your contacts based uh, built up. You know who you're talking to. When you're younger, I think it's really important that you're in and you get that face time, and the boss knows your name and he can see you. Um, and 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 you're building rapport with with. With your colleagues, yeah, uh, I think that's important too. Yeah. I
0: think so too, and especially when you're onboarding and you're joining a new company, how can you really get to know people? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we've digressed a little. Tell us about the goals you have for your business as COO.
1: Yeah, so we're 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 currently building um, our own software platform out um, as we grow and work with our clients and 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 understand their needs we're constantly finding more issues or more, more more things we can bring a solution to. So we've tried a number of third-party software um, providers for different aspects uh, of, of the business. We find that it's just not quite right. They don't do 100% of what we want to do. So a lot of my time at the minute is spent, spent, spent with my development team. I have two guys there full-time working on software development and, and really building out our our, our dashboard which has really useful insights as to how to manage the building on a on a daily basis and gives you very key information on your building and we're finding that's useful both for the building managers and the maintenance teams on site but also from a head office level from the landlord point of view it's given them a real a real good snapshot into the building on a daily basis
0: what are you most proud of
1: i think where we've came from when we started at the start of covid so you know our first six months Really, we had very little income, you know, um, because everywhere was everywhere was closed, but we we're able to use that time to kind of develop the product, uh, speak to as many people as we can, and after the f- after the first after the first lockdown, our business started to grow on a monthly basis, and and that hasn't stopped since. So, that that that's been good. I'm I'm kind of proud we're still here, three years on, and we've got a good runway for the future.
0: And you celebrate success.
1: We do yes we're like our team is quite disjointed we've people in Lancaster people in London people in Belfast people in Dublin we've one guy in Donegal it, it's not often we all get together but when we do we, we try to make a big event of that so we'll usually have one event in London a year one one in Dublin kind of come together celebrate what we've what we've achieved and then kind of lay out what we're going for the next 6 months of the year so that everyone in the business no matter what role they're, they're in can see see what we're going
0: and customers tell me about customer service we've already mentioned in the introduction that you have a
1: passion for getting it right yeah i just see customer service is really lacking uh, i think since covid customer care and customer service has really dropped in a number of industries and i think as a as a customer myself of several products i end up getting very very frustrated with some companies that i work with because don't come back to you or they don't they don't give you an update on what's happening um so we like to be really clear really focused really customer driven We're really built a customer driven business so we see loads of companies out there that are kind of engineering driven or product driven where people will come up with these products in a in a closed room they never talk to a customer they launch the product and the product fails our customers drives our our product evolution We, we see we see where they're going what they need and we we come up with a solution, to to help that, so I'm very solution driven. Find out what the problem is, work backwards from there, um, and and customer care I think is critical. Um, so the customers we work with, we're very straight and honest with them. We don't we don't we don't try to, you know, if we haven't achieved something that we said we were going to achieve in a month, we're very upfront about that. Mm-hmm. Or if we don't have an update on something, we'll tell them, I don't have an update on this, but I'm still working with you. And I think that clarity. Is, is what helps us grow because they know they get they get honesty from us. And we've worked with some landlords and we said, look, there's nothing we can do in that building. So there's no point to engage us in that building because it's running well. Um, and I think that just builds that trust and rapport that when we say in another building, you need us here, you need us to do X, Y, Z, then and they trust that because of, of how we've approached ourselves.
0: What's next for CleverNet?
1: Well, we're, we're always looking at, at new things. I, I don't want to get too too technical but we're currently working on a an on a access control system for a, for a large supermarket chain who just quite simply want visibility of, of what's going on with their fridges and with their lights and their air conditioning at a, at a store level um so that's that's kind of exciting for me but I'm a bit of a nerd and um, from, from a business point of view we look at everything um we look at whatever the solution might be or might look like and then we either rule it in or rule it out and if we can't if it's not something we feel we can do ourselves we'll try to find a good partner uh to do that but we're currently looking at some opportunities in new york at the minute which Ooh. is kind of exciting um kind of trying to find reasons at the minute not to do it because it looks, <laughs> it looks it looks quite promising um but also you know we need to be careful that we don't expand too quickly too soon um but yeah we, we, we look we look at we try to look at everything
0: Is that a concern for you, expanding too quickly, too soon?
1: I don't want to lose sight of the customer. Uh, So, you know, I've been involved in businesses before and I've seen uh, other businesses that expand too quickly and they lose sight of the customer. Um, So I I want to make sure that we're bringing our customers with us. And if we do expand, uh, we doubled in size last year. We retained all of the customers we had. We gained new ones. It was fantastic. If we double again... Can we maintain that? Can we scale with it? Um, that, the Big Apple
0: sounds nice, though,
1: doesn't does it? Does sound nice. Otherwise, you know, pleased to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be going on those sets, uh, <laughs> exactly, Yeah. Would you relocate? Yeah. I, don't know about that, no. <laughs> no. I don't know about that.
0: I'm just wondering. Uh, it's so exciting, and I was actually recently in New York, and the, there's so much uh, development, so much new building, uh, even on the on the island of Manhattan. There, how closely do you work with construction companies?
1: Increasingly more and more, um, we're, we're working at the minute with uh, two construction companies in Dublin on, on new bills and we're working with them. Again, we're landlord appointed, but we're working with them, as I described earlier on, when I said the keys are handed over and the landlord doesn't know what's going on and we have to kind of work backwards. There can be a little bit of cost incurred there as you kind of undo or redo things. So we are working with a couple of construction companies as part of their project plan to say, don't don't build it that way, or use this plant instead of that plant. Now, we we don't sell mm-hmm. hard plants like boilers and things, but we can dictate this one's better than that one from an efficiency point of view. Or and does that collaboration ability. work? It it can work, yeah. If you if if you're if you're coming out from the right approach, um, you know, Obviously, project managers don't want their projects to be derailed if you're if you're um suggesting something's going to add delays to. It. Mm. Um, but it's but it's it's, it's a balance. But yeah. Do, Doing that and getting in early to a building to make sure it's built right and then once it's built to make sure that uh, the occupants are onboarded correctly. Mm -hmm. So if you bring in uh, US clients into your building, they could have standards in the US that they just want to drop in over the top of everything that the landlord's done. So we need to engage with them and say, well, actually, look, here's where we're at with this building. Here's what we've done. Does that work with your strategy? There's no point we quite often see that landlord systems are doing one thing and occupant systems are doing another. They're fighting against each other. So both sides are paying more than they should. So again, Um, it's
0: trying to bring everything back to that one-stop
1: shop. It's the engagement and it's, and it's getting all the stakeholders involved Mm. and, and, and and having that round circle approach.
0: Yeah. I would have thought at the design stage, or even if it's reimagining an old building, a restoration project, sort of getting in at that stage has benefits to,
1: to everyone. A lot of benefits, a lot of benefits. And, and, you know, because quite often when you're going out to fit out companies, they, they, they kind of have a standard that they do, but they're maybe not keeping an eye on emerging technology and things like this. So we do have one employee based in, in, in the U.S. at the minute, and, and they're throwing a lot of stuff at us that is happening in the U.S. that's not necessarily happening right. in the U.K. or Europe, um, and it's giving us that forward insight of what's, of what's coming, because everything in the U.S. is bigger, bigger skills, bigger buildings, absolutely. bigger, bigger everything. So, um,
0: <laughs> and I'm just wondering, you know, regulation-wise as well, uh, they obviously have different rules and regulations too.
1: They would do, yeah, so that's what we're trying to get. Yeah, get, get, absolutely. Get, A lot to get your head around. Yeah, yeah. But
0: all very exciting. Um, right. Do you get much time away from the office then? You've, you've mentioned your, your three children and do you what do you like to do in your spare time?
1: Yeah, so I'm um, uh, outside of work. I'm a group scout leader, so oh. I'm very involved in the scouts. Uh, and my wife is as well and my kids. And uh, yeah, I love, I love being outside. Actually, I was just camping this weekend. I'm just back from from a weekend's camp with 100 kids. So that was, that was good fun. But Lovely. Yeah, love to be outside. Uh, love love to cook. Uh, love to cook on fires, things like this. So that would be my. You love kind of
0: responsibility, passion. don't you? Look. Seems to seems
1: to <laughs> seems to come my way, yeah. yeah. So yeah. and it stayed
0: dry for you as well. It
1: did, yeah, yeah. We had um, we inspected the site on Friday to see if it was still there, and after all the rain and the floods, and yeah.
0: And what do you think that scouting has given you? And what do you think when you look around and you see the young people that are that are benefiting? What do you think it it, it does for for kids?
1: I think. As a scout, when I was 16, 17, what it gave me was ownership and responsibility and really responsible for yourself. And yes, there's people there to guide you and help you. But I I went away to Australia when I was 16 with the scouts for a month and came back very mature, you know, learned a lot, learned how to fend for myself, look after myself. Um, and that's what I tried to, to work with, with the kids on. We had kids this weekend Youngest being fifteen, eldest being seventeen. We treated them like adults, you know. We, we we let them sort themselves out for bedtimes and stuff like this. So they put themselves to bed at one o'clock, which is very decent of them. You know that was that was good. You, you got know? some sleep. You know, if you take the cubs away, you're up to four or five in the morning. You know, <laughs> the younger ones. So um, yeah, it's 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 teaching them skills for life. It's taking them to take personal responsibility and personal ownership off themselves, and and then to to pass it on to other people.
0: It's not easy being young now and the world is a is a quite a scary place would you like to be doing it all over again at this at this time
1: No I think I'm, I think I'm okay I think I struggle to keep up with technology as it is without without going back to to being that age again but um, no uh, happy 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 of where, where where I'm at.
0: Now, the purpose of this podcast, Russell, is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Clevernet. So then, final question, the one I put to everyone. What advice would you give to those who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking?
1: A lot of these questions are asked, answered with Just go for us, right? But I think for a lot of people, that's not possible uh, or it doesn't seem possible. Um, It's very daunting. So what I would say to people is talk to people um, and, and engage with people. CleverNet was born out of conversations over lunches, over coffees, and we got to where we are. I think there's a lot of people out there with a lot of ideas and they don't know what to do with those ideas. But equally, I think there's a lot of investors, there's a lot of business supporters out there that have funds or have time to help people that don't know where to look to find the people with the ideas. So I think the more you can talk to people and engage with people and you might find someone who's the same idea as you, but the bit you're missing is the bit they have and you can come together. Um, or or you might find someone else doing the same thing, but that but that's okay. Our, our business has evolved through conversations with customers, conversations with, with various people. And I think just... I hear people all the time saying I've got a great business idea, and I say, "What is it?" And I say, "Well, I'm not telling you. You might steal it." Yeah. And like, but if you're not doing anything with it, would it not be better if someone did steal it? Because at least it would get into the market, and at least you could be involved in that. So, talk to people. Just talk to people.
0: Get it out of the head. Get, get it out to a the piece of the
1: head. You don't know where those conversations can lead to.
0: Well, actually, everybody that sat there has said the same thing, and usually it's been an idea and then a conversation that's made it happen. Have there been key people in your life along the way that have had your back or opened doors
1: for you? Well, I don't want to give them a big head, but Shane has been uh, there for a long time. I've worked for Shane in, in, in Bitbuzz since 2007, um, and I'd say that business was sold to Virgin. I stayed with Virgin, and we kept, we kept in touch, and that's, that's what's landed to, to CleverNet.
0: Well, it's nice to give Shane a mention as well. And it's always good to give a shout out to those who've helped us along the way. Thank you so much for joining me in the Public Eye podcast studio today. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the story of Clevernet and meeting Russell McQuillan. Russell, we wish you every success for the future, even if it isn't the Big Apple. Will you come back and tell us about it if if you get there? I might have to come over and and do the podcast from there. Thank you so much uh, to Russell for joining me today. And you can join me for the next episode where I will be joined by Angharad Maxwell from Hilltop Flowers. Another fantastic episode of the Public Eye podcast to come. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio.